Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Reagan. My name is Victor. And welcome to Sanctified-ish, conversations with pastors who have not figured it out. It's hard to pick one story for this intro. I have this crazy tan line on my forehead. I have a shin splint or whatever it is that hurts. I can't walk. Mm -hmm. Um, We had students boldly and faithfully share the gospel in Bulgaria last week, which was really cool to watch. They also shared our podcast to lots of Bulgarians. And I came home, looked at the podcast (laughs) stats, and there was like 48 Bulgarian listeners last week. Shout out Bulgaria. Hello. (laughs) Shout out Bulgaria. Welcome to the show. Like, wow. Wow. (laughs) Their their evangelism worked. Look at the Lord. Um, And so it's hard to pick. I wore my hat backwards in Bulgaria a lot and the sun was out and so I have this tan line Bro, it's bad. on my forehead. Yeah. It's bad. Well, it's bad on camera. It's bad on camera because the it's lights... Ba- it's, ba- it's bad in person. <laughs> it's, it's, and we go to camp. We go to camp in a couple weeks so bro, it's only going to get brighter. You have a moat around your head of just like there's like this little tan circle and just a white pasty moat around your, around go your forehead. Go check out the video podcast. If you want to, uh, if you want to see the tan line, it's, it's brutal, man. It's awful, man. It's um, brutal. Why, why does your shin hurt? We had to catch our flight and we had to run to catch our flight. Our layover mm-hmm. was like 40 minutes. Okay. That's not an okay amount yeah. of time for yeah. a layover. And so we have to go through security. We have to take a bus to a whole nother terminal. It's this whole thing, but we get to the like spot we, where we can see our gate and they're closing the door right and it's slow-mo for us and it's like a football field away and so i'm like all right guys book it so we start sprinting and it feels like everything's in <laughs> slow motion um and halfway through i'm like 50 yards out i just feel like my shin pop and it's it it's over now i'm i have a limp and it hurts so Ooh. and we go to camp in a couple weeks so I'm going to be riding around in the golf cart. <laughs> you were going to be riding around in a golf cart. Around. Yeah, you were going to be doing that regardless, man. That's nothing That's new. Yep, I've never yep. seen you walk up a hill at camp. Yep, um, I'd take the golf cart any chance I get. No, that's a... Uh, <laughs> it's so funny. One, nothing brings me more joy than picturing you and a bunch of other students sprinting to your gate in a foreign country. That makes me yeah. very, very happy. And, and you um, have to keep your calm. Like as 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 the leader, no oh, guys, yeah. we're gonna make it. We're gonna make it. We got it. We're gonna get there. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna get there. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna make it. But you gotta stay calm, <laughs> bro. I know you're riding a peloton. When's the last time you sprinted, bro? Like uh, honestly, so different. honestly, so different. See, this is as adults, we don't sprint anymore. No, there we don't. there is not like I, I went on a run two days ago. I wasn't. Sp- Sprinting. There's not a reason to. There's not a reason to. We're, we're not out here pushing it to a hundred. So I'm like, mm-hmm. man, I, it's it's probably been a couple years since yeah. the pedal went all the way down to the floor. I was like, I'm gonna run a four two forty. It's gonna be great. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be so fast when I get home. I, I felt like I was fast. You know, like bro, you feel like you were fast, bro. But it I was. Gotta, <laughs> so I gotta tell you this story. So I went uh, I went home. My family lives in, in, in Virginia. I went home for July 4th and as I was driving, um, on the side of the road, we were kind of like in traffic. So it was a little bit slower and I looked over to the right and there was this probably like 55, 60 year old dude shirtless on the side of the road, just hauling it. 
Okay. Just, okay. just hauling it down the road. <laughs> but I'm like, and I looked around, but I'm like, there was no car. Mm-hmm. There was nothing within like a three mile radius. I kept driving and I was looking over to the right and I was like, oh, I'm sure I'm going to see his car. Maybe it's broken down. Like, right. No, man. He was just running in yeah. jeans, shirtless, just <laughs> hauling it on the side of the interstate. And man, I turned off my music and I thought about that for the last hour <laughs> of my drive. I, I you were thought contemplating. I, I really was, man. I thought about nothing else. I was like, what would cause this 55 year old man? Hey, one to be shirtless and two, just to be sprinting on the side of the road. And <laughs> I take so much joy in picturing that these random people in like London or wherever you guys were at, um, were thinking the exact same thing about you the guys. exact same thing. The exact same. Thing. We were like, they're going to go home to their families and tell the story about how this random group of foreign people yeah. was sprinting through the London airport, screaming in a different, like, yeah, it, it, it's in a different insane. language. <laughs> Why do they speak English? But it just sounds different. <laughs> it sounds well, different. <laughs> when, when we landed in London, I was like, I thought of that scene from Parks and Rec. Where it's like, look, a clock. We don't have that in America. <laughs> or, <laughs> or where Ron Swanson's like, history didn't start till 1776. Oh my gosh. Ugh. <laughs> Man. God, God bless London. Well, um, camp is coming up in a couple of weeks. <laughs> It's coming up, man. It it's is. A, uh, it's a it's a quick transition. Um, but I do think, so this is like, as most of y'all know, Victor and I are both in student ministry. And so this is like, this is the biggest thing. Some would call it the biggest bin of our, there you go, London. Wow. Um, wow. Some would call this like the biggest part of student ministry, um, the things we do during the year. And um, honestly, I think there was a student pastor, I believe his name was John Rush. Um, he's down at Elevation Church. And I saw like some Instagram video that he had put out recently. And he was just talking about, um, he's talking about small groups and he's talking about volunteers. And he brought up something really, really interesting that I think would be cool to dive into, especially as we head into a time of camp where like small groups and volunteers. And honestly, I think emotionalism is just super yeah. high. And he was saying, okay, in a world where everything is convenient, have we made small groups also a place of convenience? And mm. does that create a hindrance to discipleship? Mm. Because he was like, in essence, like the Bible says, disciples are to go and make disciples. And so are small groups a place, one, where you can actually be real and vulnerable? And two, is there a place where like life on life discipleship is actually happening? And I think a lot of this is like whether or not you're in students, like 90% of y'all probably aren't in student ministry. Yeah. But like, let's be honest, in our adult small groups, we go into it and we're just like, all right, it's 15 of us. I don't even know half of your names. Let's eat our enchiladas. Let's read a passage of scripture and go home. Like, is yeah. that, is yeah. that it? Um, or is there like something more? And is there a way that we can, is it a changing of structure in small groups or is it the attitude that we walk into it? Um, hmm. And he also even mentioned where he was talking about like volunteers and stuff. And I think this even just speaks to, to campus stuff like that, but we've got, we, we need volunteers. Like we, there, it takes volunteers to put on any sort of ministry event. And he was just like, man, in the pursuit to fill slots, have we diluted the purpose of volunteers knowing that like, Hey, what you're stepping into is not just like a chaperoning business, right? but like 
you're stepping into like you are discipling yeah these students and you are in their lives and honestly they're in yours because vulnerability is a two-way street you can't just demand someone get there and you not do it yourself mm-hmm. um and so honestly man i thought that would just be a good launching pad into honestly camp where all of these things small groups volunteers emotionalism all these different things really get tied into one week um and so yeah i think it'd be a fun little episode to unpack it yeah it's it's fascinating i love the like the point of a christian right like the point of us is to be disciple making disciples matthew 28 right great commission go make disciples like that is that is the thing that we are called to and i think in an effort to make that goal, like to reach more people in an effort to widen our net or to widen the well of our reach, we've commercialized or made discipleship more comfortable in an effort to reach more people. And I do think there is a, there's a point to this where, yeah, like we should be able to offer discipleship to anyone who is, interested in pursuing it themselves like that should be that should be true but i also think we've we've gotten to a point to where discipleship we're teeing our people up to say that i've been discipled if they can just check the check boxes of discipleship i went to small group i engaged in the group chat once this week i read my bible and i went to church and it's like if i can check those things then i'm being discipled and that's just not true. So I don't know if it's the attitudes that we walk into small groups with or if it's the structure that kind of the big C church has put in place of small groups. If I had to guess, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Because yeah. I've seen small groups operate like in beautiful ways. Like someone is hurting, someone is in pain, someone someone is suffering. I've seen small groups rally yeah. I've seen people start meal trains. I've seen people like step into really messy and really hard situations. And when I look at those groups, the thing that stands out to me about those groups are the people. Mm-hmm. The small groups that don't do that, the thing that stands out to me are the people. Yeah. So I don't know, man. That's a tough question to answer, and it's a really thought-provoking question that uh, that, that guy asked. I forget his name yeah. already. Well, I think it, even to your point there, I think discipleship should be accessible, but it should never be easy. And where it's like, okay, if anybody wants discipleship, great. Like that is our job. That's why we're here. But the bar for it and what is expected of it should never lower so that people can enter like that. that, Then you just delude the process and what we're doing. And so like it results in a lot of people who call themselves disciples of Jesus or followers of Jesus that simply attend church. Yeah. And like those two things don't correlate. Hmm. Um, and I think even to your point, man, I'm like, honestly, I'll just even go from my personal experience. I think it's more attitude. And I think it's a little bit of discipleship on the front end where it's like, Hey, this is the purpose of small group. This is why we're here. But honestly, man, it's like, all right, like when I walk into it, um, okay, what am I here for? And I think there have been so many times, especially in my adult small group, where like, I'm just here to check off a box and I'm like, I'm here because like, I know I need to. And like, there's nothing knowing that you have to do something and that is good for you. Isn't necessarily bad, but like when that's the posture for like nine months, yeah. something's probably wrong. Yeah. Um, and so man, it's like, 
there is a heart posture and an expectation of like when you walk into a small group, all right, what are we here for? Man, I'm here to like let you into my life, which can be scary when there's 47 people. Um, and that's also the tension of small groups. It's yes. just like we get into these groups that it's just like, I don't know all of you in here and there's different people every week. It's never the same group of 10 to yep. 15 to 20 to 30, depending on how big your group is. Um, and like, if there's no consistency, can there ever really be vulnerability? And if there's no vulnerability, can we ever do life on life discipleship? Yeah. And so what we've run into, like kind of a, this is just what we've done in our student ministry is we're a couple hundred total and then we have small groups that are range anywhere from like eight to like, I kid you not, like 25. Yeah. And it just kind of like depends on the grade and stuff like that. And so for those, for those groups, it's like, even when it's eight, sometimes it's like, there has to be some like level of intentionality beyond that. And so like, we've tried to encourage our small group leaders, like, all right, who are the one to three in your group that like, you are not discipling everybody in your small group because not everybody in your small group wants discipleship. So like who are the one to three that you want to disciple and they want discipleship. Yeah. And like, that's produced good things. The flip side of that is that puts just so much on leaders, dude. Yeah. Um, where it's like, this is like volunteer time anyway. Yes. And then they're coming and like almost teaching like a Bible study. They're teaching a Sunday school lesson in a sense. And then they're going discipling people on the side. So it's like, that's where I think it's probably just like, okay, are there ways that we can reframe how we do small groups in church? But it just, it, it gets real complicated and difficult. And I think that's why camp is always really successful in these things because it's like the camp small groups are always really, really, really good. But it's like 170th of what you do in the week. And there's discipleship. You're doing life with these kids yeah, for seven yeah. straight days. And so like, that I don't know how we replicate that from camp and bring that home. But I think that is like when discipleship actually becomes really impactful. I think just cognitively there is, or subconsciously there is a, when uh, from a student's perspective, when I'm at camp, there is less risk in me being vulnerable because my parents aren't here my like adults that I normally see aren't here. My classmates yeah. aren't here. Like I have friends here and I have people here, but I think subconsciously vulnerability at camp is lower risk than at other times during the year. And yeah. I think what that produces is students that are more willing to be vulnerable about the hard things in their life. And I saw this even last week, right? You have students that go overseas to a place that they've never been before see people that they've never seen before, and they are far more willing to share the gospel with these people knowing that in a yeah. week they're going to go back home yeah. and never see these people again. So there's no risk in saying, hey, That's have you good. heard about Jesus before? There's That's not. Good. And come home. But when they come home and try to share the gospel, okay, now you've introduced risk. Yeah. Because now relationships are on the line. Yep. Now friendships are on the line. And, and when you try to interject the gospel into those things, it can get messy. And so I think there's a, a risk cost analysis that happens subconsciously in students' brains. That's like, hey, when I'm at camp, I'm surrounded by all these people all the time, no technology, like very, very intentional time of worship, devotions, yeah. like 
Like everything is centered around the person of Jesus. Like your life, everything about it for a week is centered on who Jesus is and what he's done. You're away from your parents. Yeah. And so those factors combined create a more vulnerable small group. And I don't know if you can, I don't, I don't know if you can replicate that back here when we're not at camp. I would also love to ask you this question. Is that something that ought to be like sought after replicated here? Or is that a unique thing that we have at camp? So honestly, I don't know because I think vulnerability can be weaponized at camp. So it's like vulnerability without discipleship is just trauma dumping. Yep. It's like, and that, that's been people's experience at camp where it's like, all right, our small groups are like, let's go sit in a circle. And what's your worst experience? What's your worst experience? What's your worst sin? What's your worst sin? Okay, great. We're done. Now that we've all cried, let's go play. And the know. wave pool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's not the goal. So like the goal is vulnerability so that somebody who knows you can love you, can share the gospel with you and can walk with you to freedom and discipleship. That's yeah. that's the goal of it. I actually don't think that really happens at camp. Mm. So I think camp a camp and small groups back home actually have to go in tandem because you're right, I don't think there's vulnerability at home in groups. At least not consistency. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. But there is something about spending 5 to 7 days really getting to know people, getting to know your leaders, spending like I'm not good at math, but whatever 24 times 5 is, like a lot of hours together with that person yeah. that breeds vulnerability that done well now translates into discipleship back home where 6 months down the road it's like, "Hey man, I'm struggling with this." Well, great, bro. Remember that conversation we had up on that mountain? Like, I remember we did this. I remember you talked to yep. me. We prayed over this. Like, I, like, let's let's continue the discipleship. The hard part comes when it's just a flash in the pan, you know, vulnerable yep. moment. Or we try to have discipleship without vulnerability. And that just turns into legalism. Like, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. But there's no relationship. Um, yep. So honestly, I think the two kind of have to go hand in hand. Well, that it, it kind of makes me think about leaders, too. Leaders yeah. at camp, leaders take a tremendous, they, they sacrifice a, so, important, so much to so important. be at camp. And it's, it's real. Like yeah. it is hard for a leader to sacrifice five, six days. Some of them, like 12 of their days to yeah. be, to be at camp. But it's like once leaders are there yeah. and once leaders see it and once leaders build these relationships with their students and come back home, the like the work of camp isn't just five days like yeah. they are reaping that harvest for months and months and months after yeah. they get back from camp because of the relational equity that they built at camp our campus pastor he came to camp last year and it was an amazing opportunity for our pastor to hang out with our middle school students that was yeah. like that was huge that he spent one week with our middle schoolers and i kid you not every week after that he stopped by the student area and all of the middle schoolers go crazy. Like, yeah. like they, they really yeah. like our campus pastor and that wouldn't have existed if he wouldn't have taken a week out of his life to come be a small yeah. group leader at camp. But it's yeah. like, it's not only do these middle schoolers like him, but they trust him. Yeah. And so now he can follow up on conversations with these middle schoolers he had at camp and he's coming back to camp this year. Yeah. And it's like, okay, now we see the full circle of it. Yeah. Right. We see the full circle of it. And 
so much of small group culture, so much of small group fruitfulness and the sense of like what it looks like when you get back from camp really hinges on the involvement and the engagement of that small group leader because they really set the pace, they set yeah. the tone, they set the culture for that small group. Yeah. And some of the, like, when I look across our church, some of the small groups that are growing and discipleship, pursuing the Lord, like, they have amazing, amazing small group leaders. Yep. Um, yep. But, and, and I think this is, like, one thing that I've noticed, is you can have a really faithful small group leader and not necessarily see that fruit. Oh, yeah. And that could be like a really discouraging thing. Um, but when you're at camp, you get to look across your church. Mm-hmm. And you get to let the like big C church of your people encourage you. It's like, okay, like your one small group isn't just this microcosm in our church. Yeah. It's yeah. like we make up a larger body and God is at work across all of it. And so that's yeah. that's another benefit of the small group leader who's been really faithful and is struggling is not seeing fruit in their small group at camp. You get to see some of the some of the amazing things that God is doing across all of our small groups and that can also be really encouraging. Yeah, no, I think that's good, man. I think even to your point right there, that's why consistency matters with leaders. Um that's why just consistency matters in student ministry. Like don't yeah. get me wrong, if you come and volunteer like a uh, your campus pastor coming and volunteering for a week. It's not that God can't use that. Like he does, there's longevity, like there's fruit in that. But the ideal is that like, man, like, yeah, you go to camp and then you walk with these kids until you can't. Yeah. And so like we have leaders that have literally gone from like some, like kids ministry all the way through middle and are now graduating high schoolers this year. And I'm like the longevity of that. And like when these kids look back on their upbringing they're going to think of their parents and they're going to think of you yeah. of like the people that like shaped them and cared for them. And like, there is something to be said about that longevity. Like the worst thing you can do in student ministry is not stick around. Yep. The worst thing. Like, that's what I tell our small group leaders is like, you can like be terrible. Like we can teach you how to like lead a small group. We can teach you how to share the gospel. We can teach you how to like communicate with parents. Those are all teachable things what we can't teach is consistency. Yeah. And it's like, at some point you just got to show up. Yeah. And like, and, and that honestly, that reflects the heart of God. Like God loved us before we loved them. So one of the values we have for our leaders is that we love students before students ever love us. Yeah. Like I know, I know those middle schoolers are super annoying and super inconsistent and they don't say anything in small groups. You're there every week or as many weeks as you can be. And like you are there and you're faithful and you're loving them. You're initiating that. And that may not produce fruit in three months, mm. but the fruit that I've seen that produce over three years. Yep. Different man. Yep. Different. And I think even to go back to, to John Rush's kind of initial point here, like that's kind of the bar and standard and ethic, not just for like small group leaders, but for discipleship. Mm. Of like, I think if we were, there are people that I think want to be invited into that, but I think they don't, they don't know what they're stepping into because we lower it. Yep. And if we really say like, again, not everybody can jump into that and that's fine. And that's awesome. Like there are like, that's not the only place that you can serve, but like having that bar for students of like, no man, like you're, you're not here to teach a lesson. You're here to disciple. Yeah. 
And those are two very, very, very different things. And I think, man, like the way that like the Lord has set the church up in that way and the way that he has used men and women like to disciple the next generation in that way. I've, I've seen a lot of like really, really, really beautiful fruit from that. Yeah. I think kind of back to, to his point, when we look at structure, there's always going to be tiny things that we can move. We can shift around. We can make the structure of small groups and programming a little bit better each and every time. There's always going to be room to do that. But I think the overwhelming weight of where small groups thrives or dies really is the intentionality of whoever is bringing in the people who is going to disciple those kids. Yeah. As we have to be incredibly intentional in raising up leaders, adults, volunteers to lead these kids and to lead them really, really well. And that's an invitation. That's not like a command. Like the great commission is something that we get invited into because we're in Christ. And so when we're looking at leaders, like that is the thing that we have to be chasing after. Are they going to be consistent? Like yeah. consistency is so important. Like you had said, do they love Jesus? Are they, are they going to show up and be able to hear and listen to kids? Like these things are the things that are going to kind of set the foundation of yeah. building that small group culture. Because if, if that exists for three months, okay, that's cool. You get them for like six weeks or whatever that is. But if they're there for three years, four mm-hmm. years, six years till mm-hmm. they graduate, Mm-hmm. Okay, that changes the game. Mm-hmm. That changes the game. It makes me think of, you can go back and listen to the episode where we kind of talk about mentors. My mentor's been with me for 15 years. It's like, that's a game changer. That relationship is so much deeper than what it would have been if he was just a small group leader at camp for me one year. Truth be yeah. told, I went to every single middle school and high school camp. I don't remember a single one of my leaders' names. I remember Kevin. Yeah. Because he stayed with me for 15 years. It's that yeah. consistency that is going to stick with these students as they're being discipled. Well, and that, I remember what in my interview process, um, we sat down and, like, yeah, we talked about theology and, you know, heart for students and all these other things. But, like, I remember, like, our, our student pastor at the time, like, he looked at me and he said, hey, man, I need you to see a class graduate. He's like, you can be an awful student pastor. If you see a class graduate, you'll be a success. Yeah. Because it's like, that's four years. And like those kids can look back and put a name and a face to their student pastor. And so like, honestly, man, that has been my metric of success and like longevity um, with the ministry that I'm at right now. And so I'm like, next year is the fulfillment of that. Yeah. That it's like, all right, when those kids graduate, that's my class. That's my first class. Mm-hmm. And those kids have never gone through high school. There's a whole class of middle schoolers that are coming up that I'm like, they've had me since fifth grade. These kids have had me since yeah. ninth grade. And I'm like, they've had small group leaders that have been with them for my goodness. We have leaders that are moving up from middle school to high school. Like the longevity impact, like that is a successful ministry. Um And I think a desire to see that in small group leaders too. Like, man, like every ministry needs leaders. Every ministry needs volunteers. There's not a ministry of the church that doesn't need one. And one of the things that like we've shifted our prayers a little bit was like, all right, God, instead of saying, hey, we need more leaders, we've started asking for the right leaders. Yeah. 
um, that I'm like, I don't just want someone to come in and fill a slot. Like any, honestly, anybody can come in and read curriculum questions. Anybody can. It doesn't take any anointing to walk in and yeah. be like, question seven says this. Yeah. But like the right people. I like that the Lord would sustain us <laughs> until that right person comes. Yep. Lord willing. But like when that right person comes, like that's that's the goal. That's that that's what we want. And yeah. Man, there there's a really beautiful, beautiful fruit that's produced from that. There is. Well, we want to give one last shout out to our friends in Bulgaria listening, all 48 of you. Holy cow. Thanks for tuning in today. You can check Reagan and I out on social media at Rotsiv157 for me, at ReaganJones97 for him. And you can also check out our Instagram at Sanctified underscore ish. Check that out. We will be at camp over the next couple of weeks, but we're pre-recording. So we'll be good, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> we, we have not pre-recorded yet. So yeah. we'll put a little asterisk there. We'll Guys, we can't goes. wait to talk to you on the next one. Send us an email. You have any questions, comments, concerns. We'd love to talk to you guys. We will catch you all in the next one. Until then, take care and God bless. Are you going to wear sunscreen at camp? No. Bro, you have, a, you have a neck tan line. Hold up. Do this. Uh, that, do- I cannot do that. <laughs> <laughs> Your shoulder has never seen sunlight. Oh my goodness. I've never worn a tank top. Dude.